With your Amex card, entertainment benefits like special ticket access and pre-sales to select can't-miss events while supplies last, make every tap music to your ears. This episode brought to you by 20th Century Studios' Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Director Wes Ball breathes new life into the epic franchise. As a ruthless king attempts to build his empire at the expense of the remaining human race, a young ape begins a journey to fight for a future for apes and humans alike. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Enter the kingdom in IMAX this Friday and theaters everywhere. Get tickets now. Black Buffalo Zero products are intended for adults age 21 and older who are consumers of comparable products. If you're an adult age 21 and older who dips, I want to tell you about Black Buffalo Zero pouches. What are they made of? Pretty simple. Cured edible green leaves. Food-grade ingredients. Most importantly, there's no nicotine or tobacco. All proudly made here in the U.S. So if you're 21 and older and want to learn more about Black Buffalo Zero, head over to blackbuffalozero.com to learn more. You can buy their pouch online, ship directly to most states. Black Buffalo Zero, zero nicotine, zero tobacco, 100% ritual. Thanks for listening to the Best of the Herd podcast. Be sure to catch us live every weekday on Fox Sports Radio at noon to 3 Eastern, 9 a.m. to noon Pacific. Find your local station for the Herd at foxsportsradio.com or stream us live every day on the iHeartRadio app by searching Fox Sports Radio or FSR. This is the Best of the Herd with Colin Cowher on Fox Sports Radio. Oh, here we go on a Tuesday, jam-packed, live in Los Angeles. It's The Herd, wherever you may be and however you may be listening. Thanks for making us part of your day. One hour from now, our top ten Herd hierarchy. A lot of NFC teams now entering the fray. We thought the AFC was so much better than the NFC. we got some NFC teams near the top, near the middle, near the bottom. J-Mac... I don't know. I kind of like Sunday games. A couple of stinkers last night. Uh, not great quarterback oh, play. God, both games were close. I thought we'd be celebrating this morning, huh? Carolina Panthers come through for Cowherd. <laughs> not really. Got one for the, one for the Kipper? Is that what they say? <laughs> one for the herd. Better than a loss. So the Steelers, here's the headline, score two defensive touchdowns and a win. That would have been such an awesome headline in the 70s and 80s and maybe the 90s. It isn't an awesome headline today. Loyalty is one of those words that we view almost empirically as positive, always good. Sometimes you have to move off plans. Sometimes you have to move off people. Like Matt Canada, the offensive coordinator for the Pittsburgh Steelers, it's holding the franchise back. But loyalty is so integrated into Pittsburgh's DNA. The O-line, three years, not gotten better. Run game, three years, not gotten better. Quarterback Kenny Pickett's regressed. They're averaging 4.8 yards a play, second worst in the entire league, and they got dudes. George Pickens and Jalen Warren and Pat Fryermuth, the tight end, they got all sorts of talent here. Stop just being loyal to people. Be loyal, too, to performance Cleveland isn't a Super Bowl threat, but they're a terrible organization. Pittsburgh's an excellent organization, but they're starting to become paralyzed, so into their brand, so into loyalty. This offense stinks. Nine completions? 
Barely 21 minutes, time of possession. Do you know the Steelers? This is embarrassing in 2023. What I'm about to tell you is embarrassing. They are the only NFL team that doesn't have a first down in the entire first quarter. They're averaging under 10 points a game. They're the only offense in the league. It's not talent. Look around the NFL at many of the young quarterbacks struggling. Kenny Pickett, defensive culture, defensive head coach. Zach Wilson, defensive coach. Justin Fields, defensive head coach. Tua, when he had Brian Flores. Mac Jones, Belichick. You think it's a coincidence? But the Steelers not only have a defensive head coach and a defensive culture, and it's when they spend their money, right? That's where they spend it. But Tomlin's being ridiculously loyal, loyal to Matt Canada. I'm not here to call people out. Three or four years at your job and you're not good. He was not an elite offensive coordinator in college football. I mean, Kenny Pickett wakes up every morning and he's got obstacles, a culture. The money's on the defensive side. The offensive uh, line's not improving. Nine completions. You think it's a coincidence that many of these young quarterbacks are flourishing that have a coach that's from the offensive side, an offensive sensibility. And these offensive coaches, McVay and and Reed, and they can reinvent an offensive line in a single offseason. This is a mess. The Steelers' loyalty to them is like a credit card with no limit. But deep down, they got nothing but bills. They have massive debt. And finally... The friendly Pittsburgh media is finally asking Mike Tomlin real questions. Mike, you talked about you get the big play early, kind of get another big play late. Coming off the game that you you did, is that an okay recipe for you is get a couple big plays and kind of hang on in between? We're not going to apologize for winning. In terms of the slow start of Kenny Pickett, it seems like it's starting to be recurrent. They talk about Matt Cannon, but I don't think it's all on – you know, Coach Cannon, I think that the slow start of, uh, of Kenny has to take its, uh, its own responsibility. Question. What's the question? question is, are you going to do anything to spur them or either one of them to kind of maybe up the ante a little bit? Certainly. <laughs> you don't have to apologize for winning, but how about when's the last big playoff win? The world has changed. Got to move off plans and move off people. It's no fun. You'd rather be loyal. That's always the goal, to vet people, hire right, keep them forever. But things change. The game's changed. Kansas City spends no money on defense. Chris Jones, kids. Rams are doing that. Aaron Donald, kids. Keep it cheap on the defensive side. Got to make a change. Loyalty is almost always a great word. Not today in Pittsburgh with their offense. All right, Cleveland lost. Oh, pity. Uh, Poorly run businesses almost always have two or three things in common. First of all, uh, no attention to detail. That's the Browns. Um, Throw throw bad money at mistakes. Panic. Uh, Not a real uh, culture or accountability. Those are all the Cleveland Browns. So here's Deshaun Watson, who's inactive for two years. That's a red flag. So were the 20-plus civil lawsuits, uh, and they give him a fully guaranteed contract. What do you know? He's not the old Deshaun Watson. He's not. 
He's slower. When he runs, he's not running to throw. He's not running to buy time. He's running to run. Like the really good quarterbacks, Mahomes moves, eyes down the field. Justin Herbert moves, eyes down the field. Cleveland panicked. It's what they do. Baker Mayfield didn't pan out, so let's take a huge swing on a creepy guy with civil suits that hasn't played in two seasons. And they're now trapped with an ugly contract, sad injury to Nick Chubb. You know, it, it, it wouldn't surprise me if they panicked again and then went and got Jonathan Taylor from the Colts and gave up great draft picks and paid him a fortune. That's what Cleveland's done almost my entire life. Bad organizations. They find themselves in holes, and they grab a shovel and keep on digging. That's what Cleveland does. You know, it's funny about this, too, is that these bad organizations, they'll have these moments where it's like, ah, oh, we finally got it right. It was a couple years ago. They had cap flexibility, arguably the best edge rusher in football, Miles Garrett, star receiver OBJ, tremendous offensive line, had Baker Mayfield on a rookie contract, a star running back. Think about that. Great O-line, edge rusher, receiver, back, quarterback in a rookie contract. It was there. They had a new GM who had a good draft. They had a new coach. He won coach of the year. And Cleveland screwed it up. That's two years later, three years later. Three years later, they cleaned up all that debt, and three years later, they're buying lottery tickets to pay down their car. I mean, they just don't have it. They don't know what they're doing. They panic. Bad money at worse money. It's what they do. They cannot get out of their own way. And so it, it, it didn't hurt me at all to watch Deshaun Watson last night. Guy didn't play for two years, 20 civil suits, and you're like, yeah, let's give him the best contract in football, fully guaranteed. Of course Cleveland did that. Of course they would do that. It not it remarkable, too? You can try to help people. They, they, they finally get free of it. They finally have a little a light on the horizon. Oh, there we go. There's a, and they two years later, bad decisions, poor choices, and here's Cleveland. Hard to root for. And in, really an organization that's hard to root for. Now they want to blame Stefanski. Now they want to blame, uh, you know, uh, uh, it's, it's, uh, it's Minka Fitzpatrick. Now they want, look in the mirror, all starts at the top. This is not a well-run organization, ownership down. And I think, it, it's, and I, I think the GM and the coach are actually very smart people. Uh, but you can't get out of the way of an impulsive owner, an owner who panics, an owner who gives a fully guaranteed contract to a creepy guy with civil lawsuits who hadn't played in two years. Hadn't played in two years. You, well, what, what's a GM supposed to do? What's a coach supposed to do? I mean, I'm lucky. I've had good management in my career. If I had crazy management, there's only so much you can do to save a network, right? There's only so much a GM and a coach can do. In Indianapolis, they've had this issue last couple of years. Only so much a GM can do if you have an impulsive owner. But um, <laughs> yeah, I just like Cleveland's a bad organization. Pittsburgh's a good organization. They have different issues. I'd much prefer Pittsburgh situation. Good players, good coach, good culture uh, over the Cleveland situation. They are buried with that contract. If Kenny Pickett doesn't work, draft another guy next year. You got your defense all figured out. Maybe get an offensive line upgrade somewhere. You got your backs, your tight end, your wide receivers, your defense. Pittsburgh's in a pretty good spot. They're just being overly loyal. Cleveland's in a bad spot, and they've earned 
every inch of it. Be sure to catch live editions of The Herd weekdays at noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific on Fox Sports Radio, FS1, and the iHeartRadio app. Attention all wrestling aficionados. Wrestling with Freddie makes its triumphant return for an electrifying fourth season. This is Freddie Prince Jr., and I am beyond thrilled to announce that our wrestling extravaganza is back, and joining me once again is the one and only Jeff Dye. Get ready as we highlight the most jaw-dropping matches, dissect the fiercest feuds, and uncover the latest twists and turns in the world of pro wrestling. We're dusting off our legendary side quests and unleashing a barrage of brand new segments that will keep you guys on the edge of your seat like our talks on unsanctioned Thursdays. Freddie, you know we gotta give the people what they want. This season, we have an all-star lineup of special guests who are gonna be gracing our podcast, bringing with them their own unique insights, experiences, and all of that in the world of pro wrestling and beyond. Whether you're a seasoned wrestling veteran or a fresh-faced newcomer, we promise an experience like no other. So buckle up, wrestling fans. Listen to Wrestling with Freddie as part of the My Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Imagine you ask two people the same exact set of seven questions. I'm Minnie Driver, and this was the idea I set out to explore in my podcast, Mini Questions. This year, we bring a whole new group of guests to answer the same seven questions, including... Actress and star of the mega-hit sitcom Friends, Courtney Cox. You can't go around it, so you just go through it. This is a roadblock. It's going to catch you down the road. Go through it. Deal with it. Comedian, writer, and star of the series Catastrophe, Rob Delaney. I shouldn't feel guilty about my son's death. He died of a brain tumor. It's part of what happens when your kid dies. Intellectually, you'll understand that it's not your fault, but you'll still feel guilty. Alt-rock icon, Liz Fair. That personal disaster wrote Guyville. So everything comes out of a dead end. And many, many more. Join me on season three of Mini Questions on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Seven questions, limitless answers. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. Western nations like the U.S. and Europe. Mexico will likely have its first female president. And then you have China. And help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters. He'll get his yo-yos to Europe in time. But the longer this drags on, the more worry he's getting. They knew that they needed to do this as fast as they possibly could to get a drug on the market as fast as they could. I'm David Gura. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleya Mosin. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets. Basically, everyone was expecting, if not a calamity, certainly a recession. But the problem is that that paperwork, as our reporting showed, is fake. As someone who's covering the market, I'm often very worried about an imminent collapse. I'm thinking about it quite often. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Well, I said this yesterday, and I said it last week. Here we go. It's the blame game in Chicago. Major market media, big expectations, another quarterback, potentially a star from Ohio State, and it's not working out. So I saw a story this morning. Bears offensive coordinator Luke Getze deserves now some of the blame for Justin Fields. Here's who's going to take the blame. Justin Fields. Here's why. It's the best college quarterback class I've ever seen in my life. There's seven first-round quarterbacks, six or seven. And the Bears potentially have two top seven or eight picks. Theirs in Carolina. They're taking a quarterback. 
Secondly, this GM and coach didn't draft Justin Fields. They can go to ownership and say, hey, we, we never wanted this guy. We just tried to make the best of it. That's, a, that's an out. And, and see, in 2023, there's too much data and there's too much daunting video against him. Too much damning stats, too much damning video against Justin Fields. He holds on to the ball too long. There's open players everywhere. Justin Fields has taken 10 sacks this year, nine after four seconds. From 2021 to today, he's taken 79 of those sacks with over four seconds to throw. No quarterback in the league is close to that. And they have good weapons now. Their weapons are good enough. So the GM, coach didn't want him. It's a great college quarterback class. And there's just, there's too much evidence. There's video, there's data. He just holds on to the ball too long. He's 27 starts in, and they always say, well, winning is not a quarterback stat. Eh, okay, knock yourself out, analytic nerds. Seems to me the great quarterbacks figure out ways to win. You are what your record is. So you can blame the offensive coordinator, but he does not have a single 300-yard passing game. And now it looks like, as of last weekend, and I think this is a mistake, the Bears now seem reluctant to run him. No, that's what he does well. They're having the same problem in Philadelphia with Jalen Hurts. They sign a big contract. Oh, we got to protect him. No, you don't. Jalen Hurts is a power-running quarterback. Let him run. Baltimore's figured this out. Lamar Jackson runs. Let him run. I'm for Josh Allen running. I'm just not for Buffalo's Josh Allen taking nine hits a game slide, get out of bounds, don't jump into piles. If you run, Russell Wilson last year in Denver, run, lean into what you do. And to me, Justin Fields is a tremendous athlete, top two or three running quarterback in the league. You'd prefer he throws from the pocket, but if the first two options aren't open, let him loose. This weekend, clearly against Tampa, they have decided we're going to make him be great from the pocket. There is, like Zach Wilson, the possibility he's never going to be great from the pocket. Jimmy Johnson talked about this yesterday in the herd. I think the number one thing is a quarterback's got to be a great decision maker. Um, and if they don't make good decisions, I don't think you ever correct that. The other thing, they've got to be an accurate thrower. Uh, and if they're not accurate, I don't know that you ever correct that. You might improve it a little bit by simplifying the offense, et cetera. As far as his speed and all this stuff, his quickness, his arm strength, you know, hey, that, that's down the line. You know, uh, it, this is a real thing. Some guys are just naturally accurate. When I watch Caleb Williams at USC, it's just easy. Underneath, deep, he's just accurate. Ball can be loose, picks it up on the fly, sidearms it, accurate. Uh, Deion Sanders' son, Shadur Sanders, is so naturally accurate doesn't matter if he's throwing across his body, moving left, right, ball comes out, looks easy. Shadur Sanders is just born to throw a football. It's just easy. Caleb Williams, it's just easy. Aaron Rodgers, Mahomes, it's just easy. Zach Wilson, Justin Fields, they're athletic. They have good arms. Looks so hard. If it's just not naturally easy for you to throw the ball exactly where you want it, then let him go, let him move, let him run, let him make plays. That's his gift. Unleash it. You may not win a ton of games, but forcing him to do something that he's not great at, I don't think is the answer. I think Philadelphia's got this identity issue. 
Jalen Hurts is a power runner. He can throw a pretty football, but lean into what he does. Baltimore's really come to terms with it. Lamar's exhilarating. Can't take away his running ability. Same with Josh Allen. He runs too much. He takes too many shots. But you have to have Josh Allen run some of the times. Justin Herbert, I think, should run a little more. He's six five and a half. He's two forty. He can run over linebackers. Not a ton, but I'd put quarterback draws in for Justin Herbert. Just figure out how to slide. Be sure to catch live editions of the herd weekdays at noon Eastern, nine a.m. Pacific. So, J Mac, I think one of my worst qualities. Don't have many. I'm a little impatient. And when I would go to dinner with Sean Payton or talk with Sean Payton, I appreciated his directness. Uh, it could be viewed as impatient, but Sean has no passive aggressive. Sean Payton's going to tell you how he feels. And that's why I've said, if they don't win in Denver, it will get very turbulent very quickly. Uh, I would say there's no passive aggressive to him. He's very direct. Uh, I'm impatient, so who am I to judge anybody? But Sean likes results quickly and mostly because he's been very successful in everything he's done very quickly. So I thought it was interesting that not only did Sean Payton call out Russell Wilson... But he called him out on something that was an issue last year with the team. Listen closely. There was a number of drives, you know, where we're late with personnel, getting out of the huddle. We took a while. I mean, that's got to change. We had to burn timeouts in the first half, and I'm not used to doing. we got to be better, and uh, I've got to be better. Russ has got to be sharper with, with getting it, getting the play out, and then we got to look at how much we have in. But, um, you know, if we need to wristband it, we will. That was an issue last year. They couldn't get plays in on time. He doubled down on it. He went public with it. Used his name. Russell's had the playbook for eight months. He's a veteran quarterback. No excuse, right? So I thought it was interesting that he brought up something publicly. He also brought up something in preseason regarding Nathaniel Hackett. So and you can say, well, who is Sean Payton? Folks, you get it or you don't. I'm not going to explain it by taking too much time, but... Before Sean Payton got to New Orleans, the Saints were the laughing stock of the league. They were the Donald Sterling Clippers, but worse. People wore bags to games. His first year in New Orleans, they went 10-6 and six and won a playoff game. In 15 years, he got to three NFC championships. Outside of a bad call, would have been two Super Bowls. He did get to one, and he won. I mean, he had a year in New Orleans where he went 9-8 and eight with four different quarterbacks in 2021. Utter chaos. He went 9-8. and eight. He wins games. And the reality is he's impatient. I had a friend that once worked for Microsoft, and he said, man, Bill Gates is impatient. Well, smart people, you know, when you get things done quickly and get results quickly, you can be very impatient. Sean can be a little impatient. If you look at the Denver schedule, maybe I'm just being too impatient. There's a lot of wins potentially on this schedule. Chicago, New York, Green Bay, Minnesota, Cleveland, Houston, New England, Vegas. Those are very winnable games. At Miami this weekend, those two games against Kansas City at Buffalo with this offense looks tough. Um, The one thing I did say, we're asking Sean Payton to do a lot. He had to rebuild the offensive line, but he didn't play him a ton in the preseason, so the cohesion's taking a while. He's got to fix Russell Wilson. It looks like he has in the first half. He had to change the culture. That's still a work in progress. So did, did we ask Sean Payton to do too much? You can argue the offensive line was better last week than week one. 
You can argue that Russell Wilson's been good in the first half, just not the second. You can argue the culture is better, still too many dumb penalties on defense. So I'm very interested to see the Miami game because you could take two tacks on this. You could look at it and say, we'll go week one to week two, considering nobody, you know, they played one quarter of starters in the preseason. If you go weeks one to week two, the offense was better. The line was better. Uh, I mean, Russell got some sacks, but some of that's holding on to the ball and not seeing down the field because of his size. So I think it's very interesting. Uh, and, and, and again, I can be very impatient. This schedule, we thought they would go 2-0. and Denver at home historically is very good in September with the altitude. But there's a lot of wins on this schedule if they can get it right. And you've got to be encouraged with the first halves. Russell's been great in the first half on script. What's happening in the second? Anybody's guess? Emotion? Confidence? I have no idea. So maybe I'm just being impatient. I think that's certainly a possibility. Uh, by the way, here's another story that uh, jumped out to me this morning. And I'll talk about this more later. I saw this this morning. The Jets need to end Zach Wilson experiment and trade for Kirk Cousins. Okay. So, okay, here's the arguments for it. Let me just address this quickly before the herd hierarchy top of next hour. The arguments for it are Zach Wilson's not very good. And they got about $10 million bucks in cap space. And Kirk Cousins would cost them about $10 bucks, And his contract's done at the end of the year. You could just bring him on for a season. Right? You know, you bring him on. My argument would be, be honest. Is this a playoff team with Kirk Cousins? So, you're going to tell me, with a defensive coach and a defensive current culture, with a bad old line, Kirk Cousins learning a playbook in season in the AFC. In a division with in a division with Miami looks like the best offense in the league and Buffalo stack with players and next time you play them it's in Buffalo. You think it's a playoff team? Learning a playbook, defensive culture, bad O-line. You think it's a playoff team? Now I would the Jets do it? I think Woody Johnson would. He has a history of making moves not being patient. Um, but but the the four is they got cap space, cost you about ten million bucks of his contract, and then you could just get rid of him. Be a one, you know, be it'd be quick. <laughs> you could do that. By the way, far for the Jets. Boom, gone. You could do that. I just don't. My my takeaway is: do you have to give up draft picks? This team has some things they have to get next year. First round left tackle. I think they. I think I don't think they have a second round pick. They got to get another weapon or three. They also need to draft another young quarterback. Zach's going to be gone. Cousins will be gone. And Aaron's coming off an injury. They have to draft a quarterback at some point next year. They have to draft a left tackle. And they need more weapons. They don't need much on the defensive end. That's the good news. So I wouldn't want to give up a lot of draft capital. Right? I wouldn't want to do it. But the argument for it is pretty clear. You're renting Kirk Cousins for about $10 bucks, And you're doing it for four months. I just don't think learning a playbook, defensive culture, shaky O-line, Miami's clearly a better team. Buffalo, I think, at home when they face them next time is as well. I don't think it's a playoff team. But if they win this, here, here's the thing. What if they win this weekend over New England? Then you're like, we don't need Kirk. Or do you say to yourself, we got lucky to beat him. We would have beat him worse with Kirk Cousins. Let's make the move. You're a Jets fan. What would you do? Well, first of all, hold off. There's no rush, right? You want the Vikings to lose to the Chargers this week, and I think you and I both like the Chargers again. <laughs> um, so the Vikings go 0-3. 
Even if the Jets lose this and they lose to the Chiefs, they should be able to beat the Broncos. So they're two and four. Vikings are, you know, one and five. Kirk, a lot of his salary is already paid off yes. through six games of the season. So yeah. why not if you're the Jets? That's the, And it's like, I know the Hackett offense, will it mesh with Kirk? Yeah, you got to do a deep dive on Battle on line, Nathaniel Hackett, who's worked with yeah. one quarterback. Oh, Aaron by the way, Rogers. Kirk, play well over the next eight games. Get to the playoffs. You're going to get paid in the offseason. Hey, what's up, everybody? It's me, three-time Pro Bowler LeVar Arrington, and I couldn't be more excited to announce a podcast called Up On Game. What is Up On Game, you ask? Along with my fellow Pro Bowler, TJ Hushmanzada, and Super Bowl champion, yep, that's right, Plexico Burris. You can only name a show with that type of talent on it. Up On Game. We're going to be sharing our real-life experiences loaded with teachable moments. Listen to Up On Game with me, LeVar Arrington. TJ Hushmanzada and Plexico Burris on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts from. Attention all wrestling aficionados. Wrestling with Freddie makes its triumphant return for an electrifying fourth season. This is Freddie Prince Jr., and I am beyond thrilled to announce that our wrestling extravaganza is back. And joining me once again is the one and only Jeff Dye. Get ready as we highlight the most jaw-dropping matches, dissect the fiercest feuds, and uncover the latest twists and turns in the world of pro wrestling. We're dusting off our legendary side quests and unleashing a barrage of brand new segments that will keep you guys on the edge of your seat like our talks on unsanctioned Thursdays. Freddie, you know we gotta give the people what they want. This season, we have an all-star lineup of special guests who are gonna be gracing our podcast, bringing with them their own unique insights, experiences, and all of that in the world of pro wrestling and beyond. Whether you're a seasoned wrestling veteran or a fresh-faced newcomer, we promise an experience like no other. So buckle up, wrestling fans. Listen to Wrestling with Freddie as part of the My Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Imagine you ask two people the same exact set of seven questions. I'm Minnie Driver, and this was the idea I set out to explore in my podcast, Mini Questions. This year, we bring a whole new group of guests to answer the same seven questions, including... Actress and star of the mega-hit sitcom Friends, Courtney Cox. You can't go around it, so you just go through it. This is a roadblock. It's going to catch you down the road. Go through it. Deal with it. Comedian, writer, and star of the series Catastrophe, Rob Delaney. I shouldn't feel guilty about my son's death. He died of a brain tumor. It's part of what happens when your kid dies. Intellectually, you'll understand that it's not your fault, but you'll still feel guilty. Alt-rock icon, Liz Fair. That personal disaster wrote Guyville. So everything comes out of a dead end. And many, many more. Join me on season three of Mini Questions on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Seven questions, limitless answers. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. Western nations like the U.S. and Europe. Mexico will likely have its first female president. And then you have China. And help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters. He'll get his yo-yos to Europe in time. But the longer this drags on, the more worry he's getting. They knew that they needed to do this as fast as they possibly could to get a drug on the market as fast as they could. I'm David Gura. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleya Mosin. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets. Basically, everyone was expecting, if not a calamity, certainly a recession. But the problem is that that paperwork, as our reporting showed, is fake. 
someone who's covering the market, I'm often very worried about an imminent collapse. So I'm thinking about it quite often. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Third hierarchy. Time is now. Let's go. The top 10 NFL teams according to college. Number 10. I got to be honest. I was blown away by the Washington Commanders. Take out that nonsense Hail Mary. They dominated second, third quarter on the road. And by the way, they lead the NFL over the Cowboys with 10 sacks and 20 quarterback hits. Sam Howell, 3-0. I like what I saw. I said this before the season. We like their personnel. We're not sure about the coach and the quarterback, but Howell's played well. He's got a little juice. And now with Chase Young back, they're going to get you a pass rush. I thought, forget that silly Hail Mary. I thought once this game got off script, Washington was the better team easily. Number nine. The Rams are shocking. Number two offense in the league. Stafford has been sacked only once. Stafford's one of two quarterbacks with 300-plus passing yards in each of the first two games, and that's in Seattle and against the Niners. I don't care what the preseason people said. This defense is young and fast. Puka Nakua leads the NFL with 25 catches. They're going to move Cam Akers. Maybe they can get a little bit of an edge rush. I don't know what they're going to do. But I'm watching an offense right now that's clever, good protection, excellent quarterback, and Cooper Cup's coming in in a couple of weeks. I like what I see Rams at nine. Number eight. Jacksonville. They're 7-2 and two over their last nine games. Trevor Lawrence. Wasn't good in the red zone against the Chiefs, but the second highest graded quarterback this season, according to PFF. They're going to be okay. Listen, they can't beat the Chiefs. Okay. Baltimore can't beat the Chiefs. Okay. That's a problem for virtually everybody. This is a really good roster. Tough game. Indy, they figured out a way to win. They were in this game just bad in the red zone. I got Jacksonville at eight. Number seven. Buffalo's going to be fine. You know the one thing they're not right now? They lead the NFL since 2020 with 27 wins by 10-plus points. That's why J-Mac had them last week. They roll downhill. If they get a lead on you with that pass rush, watch out. But the other thing to remember, no giveaways against the Raiders. They shorten the routes. The Bills, Josh Allen, leads the NFL right now, believe it or not, completing 76% of his throws. So they're shortening routes. More tight end, more easy completions. Stop throwing the ball downtown and getting picked. Buffalo at number seven. Number six. I like the Baltimore story. They're banged up, but they had 25-plus points in their first two games. Mark Andrews coming back to tight end. Lamar Jackson, 7-1 in his career against the Bengals. I'm telling you, this team is, they're just, it's hard to prepare for them. There is no other Lamar Jackson in the league. And they had 178 rushing yards against the Bengals. When they start getting the lead, they're running the football. You're running out of time. Their defense is better than I thought. Baltimore at six. Number five. Philadelphia has an identity crisis. Just run the ball with Jalen Hurts. He's a power running quarterback. That's what you are. DeAndre Swift had a good weekend. Number one rush defense. Number two rush offense. Don't be embarrassed. This is what Jalen Hurts is. A power running quarterback. Slide. Run out of bounds. No problem. But let's not try to make this offense anything other than what it is. Power run game with a great O-line. Philly at five. Number four. Final four teams, inches not feet. Kansas City, listen, Mahomes has been sacked only once this season. The story with this team, Mahomes getting good protection and their young defense is inexpensive and really good. 14 different players, though, have had one catch. I think they're trying to figure out their receiving core. 
So with Travis Kelsey, let's be honest, that's the number one target. Then everybody else is getting one or two catches. I still think they're trying to figure out the offense, but their next six games, they got a lot of Ws. The teams they face in their next six games are 1-11. Bears up next. Number three. Uh, the Cowboys. They lead the NFL in point differential. One of five offenses without a giveaway. Their defense, seven takeaways. So the recipe is rinse and repeat. Conservative offense. Micah Parsons is unblockable. Force fumbles. Make picks. Hyper-aggressive back end. Dallas at three. Number two. Niners are 2-0, and both on the road. Brock Purdy, 9-0 and as a starter. Take out the playoffs. 19 TDs, two picks. If you take out the NFC Championship due to an injury. Bottom line is Purdy moves better than Garoppolo, so they move the pocket better. They have never lost. 12-0 in the regular season, which uh, Christian McCaffrey is a starter. So this this team is, it's they're loaded. That's the best roster in the NFL. They do not have an identity crisis like Philadelphia. They're not trying to figure out their receiving targets like Kansas City. Uh, they've got more uh, zip to their offense than Dallas, San Francisco at two. Number one. Miami's blowing me away. 2-0, both on the road. They've scored on 11 of their 22 drives. Uh, they're really good. They can play power football. They can do finesse. They do speed. Tyreek Hill, three touchdown catches already. Again, it's really dependent on the health of Tua. You cross your fingers on that. But I, I've got to be honest. Watching them go on the road... And just, they are so creative. They know exactly what they are, and they can do multiple things. A lot of these teams right now are trying to figure stuff out. I think they will. Kansas City receivers, Philadelphia, their identity. Jacksonville's never going to beat Kansas City. People are trying to figure stuff out. I, I think Miami knows exactly what they are, and they're just trying to keep Tua upright and healthy. There's the herd hierarchy. J-Mac, your one complaint. I'm flabbergasted that you would put Washington at 10 and the Rams at 9. I mean, I, I don't know. I know we got a guest to get to. I, just give me five minutes later to just rant on it. Washington, Colin? Because they beat Arizona and Denver, two winless teams? Okay, Arizona Come on. took a three-touchdown lead on the Giants. And <laughs> Denver, out. take the Hail Mary away, dominated the second, third, and fourth quarters against Sean Payton and Russell Wilson in a pretty good defense. And I mean dominated the game. So I need to go put the Bills minus six and a half against Washington I, this I, week. Am, I need to go put my kids' future college tuition I am not, on Buffalo. And I'm not touching that game. I'm just telling you, say what you want about Sam Howell. We don't think he's great. He's got a mid-90s passer rating as an NFL quarterback. That's what it is. He almost lost the game to Arizona. That's how bad he was in the opener. Now because he yet, shreds a bad Denver yet, defense? Oh, he's so amazing. Well, first game, O-line, nobody plays starters. Okay, I give everybody a pass in week one, including my picks. I'm going to go get a everybody Matt Milano gets a jersey. Pass. <laughs> go Bills this weekend. Be sure to catch live editions of The Herd weekdays at noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific on Fox Sports Radio, FS1, and the iHeartRadio app. All right, Nick Wright, first things first. Now joining us. So, uh, uh, point out, uh, look at, he's already got a smile. See, he's already going to come no, in. With I'm just, no, I'm just thrilled. You, guys, you know why I have a smile? Why? I was thinking about something, and this is going to sound, I don't know, self-congratulatory, maybe even arrogant. But, Colin, is 1 to 130 on Tuesdays on the herd 
the best half hour in all of sports television. Yeah, the herd hierarchy right into <laughs> you and me, and then J-Mac pokes holes in what in the hierarchy. I think this might be the best 30 minutes in sports TV. And I just what I and I was like, and for me to be a part of it is thrilling. I'm smiling. I actually like the hierarchy in large part. I I want to talk about the Eagles for a moment. Yeah. And then of course we can get to the disrespected and overlooked defending <laughs> champion Chiefs at four. Um, uh, so on Friday, it seemed like a lot of the conversation surrounding the Eagles, if people were asking questions, was about their offense. That's not my concern for Philadelphia. My concern for Philadelphia is much more simple and to me much more obvious. Is their pass defense downright bad? And I understand that sounds odd because they get to the quarterback so well. But last year, Colin, they played six above-average quarterbacks. Goff, Cousins, Trevor, Rogers, Dak, and, and Patrick Mahomes in the Super Bowl. Five of the six lit them up. Five of the, you take Cousins out, they average 33 points per game. This year, they've let Mac Jones throw for 300 yards and three touchdowns, which is like letting a real quarterback throw for 400 yards and five touchdowns. And Kirk Cousins throw for 360 and four scores. Is Philadelphia's secondary and back end of their defense the weakest unit of anyone in the top five, uh, you know, on yeah. either side of the yeah, ball? Yeah, uh, I would argue yes, uh-huh. and I think that's a big problem for them, Colin, if this year they don't get 70 sacks like they got last year. That's my concern for Philly. Now, now I, I will say this. There is psychology to football because there's an intimidation aspect to hockey and football, maybe over a baseball or basketball. Yeah. It does look pretty clear to me that when the ascending young, talented Jags face the experienced Chiefs, they gag a little. Like, you can, you can feel yeah. late in that game, you can feel Jacksonville get a little tight in the red zone, like, oh, boy. Oh, yeah. and, I, and it was a real thing. Yeah, it just came to the course. TV. You can sense. It's like Sacramento with the Lakers for years. You're like, they match up pretty well, and they can't make the jumpers. Like, I think Jacksonville has a Chiefs issue. I, well, so, and by the way, the record reflects that. Colin, I don't know why more people weren't pointing this out. Jacksonville's last 13 games, they are 9-1 and one against the league and 0-3 oh against Kansas City. Yeah. So they, the last 13 games, they've been awesome, except for the three times <laughs> they've played the Chiefs. And by the way, the last two, the Chiefs were gettable. The playoff game, Patrick Mahomes gets maimed by Arden Key in one of the dirtiest, potentially most criminal plays in NFL history. I'm not sure if that investigation's even closed. <laughs> they couldn't get him there. And then on Sunday, the Chiefs offense was not sharp. That Jacksonville seemingly lived in the red zone. Yeah. And you know how much I love Trevor, and I believe in Trevor. They couldn't, you know, they couldn't punch it in. They couldn't make it happen. But on the Chiefs side of things, if I may, Colin. I understand, you know, I said they were going to go 20-0 and and they promptly lost week one. So yeah. everyone's having a nice laugh at their old buddy yeah. Nick Wright. That's fair. I earned that. That's fine. But if you were to tell me going into the year that two weeks into the season, not only would the rest of the AFC be in disarray, the Bengals haven't won, Burroughs dinged, Josh Allen is up and down, the AFC West is a total mess as it seemingly has been since Mahomes got there. But you would also tell me, guys, 
There's a big concern with the Chiefs. One overwhelming problem through two weeks. And it's the passing game? <laughs> I would have been over the moon. Yeah. Because you know what? I think 15's going to figure it out. Yeah. I think the most talented quarterback we've ever seen will make it work. Oh, Nick, but why, how can they win with these receivers? They did last year. Well, they had McCall Hardman. McCall Hardman can't get on the field for the Jets. They had Juju. Juju can barely get on the field for the Patriots. They won with these receivers last year. And the reason the Chiefs right now might be, by the end of the season, the most dangerous Chiefs team since Mahomes has been there is Colin. This is going to be a top eight defense oh, yeah. and maybe a top five defense. Yeah, yeah it is. They, what they are, they, they've spent all that draft capital on defense. Chris Jones is back and really giving a testament to a training camp, meaning nothing, at least for certain positions. And that defense is fast. Yep. That defense had the second most sacks in the league last year, but nobody cared. And so if you're telling me the thing the Chiefs got to work on is Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes' <laughs> passing game, yeah. I think they'll be fine. This, this Chiefs defense might, by the end of the year, Colin, be a top two defense in the AFC and a top five defense in the league. So I, I was thinking about this, is that a quarterback and a coach don't have to be best friends. Brady Belichick didn't have dinner 20 years, as long as they win. Russell and Pete Carroll were fine when they were winning. They're two different people. Yeah. So when you're, sometimes you get lucky. Montana Walsh, personality works. Don Coriel, Dan Fouts, uh, Works, right? Yeah. The clever coach. Mahomes the clever, and Reed. Right, Mahomes and Reed. That's ideal. But you can win with a coach and a quarterback who are different personalities. You can get along if you win. Yeah. Um, Russell, Pete started losing, trouble. Well, I look at Sean Payton and Russell Wilson. I could argue there are not polar opposite personalities in the league that are greater than these two. One guy is urgent, um, yeah. Harsh, authentic, not polished, can get himself in trouble. Sean Payton. The other guy is yep. refined, optimistic, um, right. always a light at the end of the tunnel. It works only one way if they're 2-0, and right? That's they're 0-2. Right. Your takeaway on how fast this could go sideways. Well, and I'll add to your argument, I don't think Tomlin and Big Ben – have a lot of similarities, but it worked really well when the team was really good and they were winning. And and so I, I think you make a good point. I so I think the Broncos right now have a lot of issues, and I I want to be clear here. Russell Wilson has been better than he was last year. Yes, he also has been in the second half of games a bottom five quarterback. In the second half of these games, he's been terrible both weeks. They just blew an 18-point lead at home to Sam Howell and the Washington Commanders. That can't happen, and Russ needs to be better. Also, Sean Payton has put himself in a rough spot because when you say, I'm going to be pissed off if we don't make the playoffs – and you say that was the worst coaching job in NFL history when through two weeks you've lost to Jimmy G and the Raiders, you've blown an 18-point home lead, you lead the league in penalties, there's a lot of the same getting the play in, the kind of slow process that plagued Nat Hackett and the Broncos, you're going to all of a sudden going to catch some heat, which is why, and this I said this a month ago, 
and those jackals that I work with on First Things First <laughs> laughed at me. But I think Baker Mayfield will be a, the starting quarterback for the Bucks for a longer time than Russell Wilson will be the starting quarterback for the wow. Broncos. Sean Payton is not going to go down with the Russell Wilson ship. He's just not. And while people can say whatever they want, you can read intention through action. And two years, $10 million for Jared Stidham being one of your major offseason moves, that's not in case Russell Wilson gets hurt. That's in case they need to pull the plug on Russell Wilson. And if you look at what they, they have, they play the Chiefs on a Thursday and then the Packers, and then the Chiefs again before they're by. Yeah. They're going to lose all three of those games. They have a couple games between then, you know, playing the Dolphins, which is not an easy one. The, I think Russell Wilson doesn't make it through the bye as the starter for Denver with the way wow. things are going. Yeah, let's see. I, I mean, Miami they'll beat is, the Bears. And they could, they'll probably beat the Jets with Zach Wilson. Yes, but all of a sudden, that's the Jets' Super Bowl. <laughs> J-Mac thought they were going to be in the actual Super Bowl, but now it's the Nat Hackett Super Bowl, week five. If there was ever no. a game they're going to be motivated, yeah. it's it, we got to win one for old Nat Hackett. <laughs> I'm just saying. Yeah, and, no. But even if they win Bears-Jets, Chiefs-Packers-Chiefs is a rough spot. Okay. That is, And then, by the way, Buffalo the following week after the bye. Okay, so... Um, there is an argument to get Kirk Cousins in New York. The argument is you're renting him, and then he's gone. They have about $10 yep. million in cap space. That's about what he would cost, right? Because the Vikings have – they've paid most of it. And then basically you bring him in and you let him go. As long as you don't have to give up draft capital because you need a left tackle, another young quarterback, more weapons. You don't need defense. That's the argument for it. My argument against it is, oh, really? You think Kirk Cousins with Nat Hackett and that old line – in a division now where Miami looks incredible, New England will be a tough out because Belichick, and Kirk Cousins is learning the playbook in the season. It just feels like chaos. I mean, are you for it? I'm, I'm for the Jets doing something at quarterback. They cannot, the status quo is not palatable, and they know it. And this is, and the Jets knew Zach Wilson wasn't the guy last year when half the team was on the sidelines wearing Mike White t shirts in front of Zach Wilson. And now they want us to believe through the power of Aaron Rodgers' osmosis that they all believe in him. No, they don't. They, listen, I don't blame Zach. It's not his fault. He's being asked to do something he can't do, which is play quarterback in the NFL. He can't do it. I, I've seen him do the roll right, throw left across his body a hundred times. He had gotten picked off 15 times in his young career. It's not going to work. So I don't know if you have to go as extreme as Kirk Cousins. I do think they should absolutely call New Orleans about Jameis Winston. I do think there you have at least a shot if the defense is as good as people hope it can be. Uh, here's what I know, though. I know and the Jets know and Robert Sala knows that Zach Wilson is not starting the next 15 games. And neither is Boyle that they are going, whoever their quarterback for the majority of the season is going to be, is not currently on the roster. 
So the sooner they admit that to themselves and to everyone, the better chance they have of salvaging something because while the Super Bowl hopes almost assuredly went down when Rodgers did, with the team this young, Colin, playing relevant games, sneaking into the playoffs and getting that experience for the head coach, for Garrett Wilson, for Sauce, for Quentin Williams, that's valuable in my opinion, and they have no shot of doing it with Zach Wilson. None whatsoever. You know, it's, it's interesting. If you go back to the history of the league, I mean, the Patriots are an outlier. Chiefs have been. But generally speaking, even if you have a great quarterback, there's a down year. You know, Aaron Rodgers got hurt. Packers were bad. It happens. I look at the Bengals and I'm like, something doesn't feel right. This calf injury, I, I, I've had one before and have had friends who have had one. They last forever. You can't get rid of them. You think you're over it. You play, you restrain it. I look at Cincinnati and I'm like, this isn't just a reboot. They're a mess, right? This was You're the Chiefs. Hell. Yeah. Might be the yeah. might be. Listen, and I, you know, Colin, I know that you know there are certain things I believe in that you maybe don't, and one of them are the sports gods. And you know, I just can every every time I get a chance, I you know present you a piece of evidence, and I let you. Decide if you're going to continue to be a nihilist or if you're going to agree that sports <laughs> gods exist. What I would tell you is the Cincinnati Bengals were the hottest team in the NFL. They had won 10 games in a row. Yeah. They had gone to Buffalo and blown them out in the playoffs. And then in the waning moments of that game, I don't know if you remember what happened, but I do, a new word came into the lexicon, and that word was burrowhead. Burrowhead Stadium was where they were going, yeah. and they were going so excited to be back to Burrowhead, where they had won a grand total of one game ever because they owned Patrick Mahomes. And since then, the Cincinnati Bengals have not won a game as a franchise. That's just the facts. And their star quarterback is limping around and is playing the worst football he's ever played. So I'm not saying correlation causation. What I am saying is they it does feel a lot like a year from hell for them, Colin. Yep. And they also made a very, I respected it, but a risky decision this offseason in what they did or more accurately didn't do with T. Higgins. So they could have traded T. Higgins for a first-round pick because are you really going to be able to re-sign Chase and keep T. Higgins in free agency after the inevitable contract goes to Joe Burrow? They said, we're running it back, we're that close. Well, if all of a sudden this year goes to hell and then you can't re-sign T. Higgins, all, you, you, I know Joe Burrow said the Super Bowl window is there in his entire career, and that's true to a degree. But that doesn't mean it's always as open in one year as in the next. Right. And I, if you look at their schedule, Colin, they have four more divisional games. They're 0-2 in the division. I think they have Buffalo, San Francisco, Jacksonville, Seattle, Kansas City. It can get late very early in Cincinnati. Yeah. And the line moving from 6.5 to 2.5 tells me Vegas thinks Joe Burrow is not playing this weekend. Yeah, and the other thing that hurts them, whereas the Chiefs dominate their rivals in division, Lamar Jackson owns the Bengals, yeah. and the Browns have played great against him. You know, for years, Big Correct. Ben dominated Cincinnati, dominated Cleveland, just put 4-0 down. They struggle in division. They can't block Cleveland, and Pittsburgh's got a great defensive front. So Cincinnati's got a real issue. They are in a division with issue. teams that match up really well with them. 
Chargers kind of match up with Kansas City, but you don't trust them. Raiders don't, and Denver's a work in progress. That is a big advantage. So, Nick Wright, first yeah. things first. The show is on fire, ascending, a comet, oh, growing. You guys. Well, we're doing okay. Uh, that's you guys. Well, you and J-Mac. Just, I mean, dude, ratings bonanza. Yeah. That's why. That's why. And, and by the way, I mean, the best half hour in sports television, <laughs> Tuesdays, 1 o'clock on the herd. That's what you should market it as. You and me, we get some commercials or something. Talk to you later. All right. See you, buddy. I'll talk to the executives upstairs. It's Freddie Prinze Jr. and Jeff Dye back in the ring. Wrestling with Freddie makes its triumphant return for an electrifying fourth season. Hey, Jeff. Are you ready to rumble our way into an all-new season of Wrestling with Freddie? You better believe I have. I've been practicing my body slams, and I'm jacked. All right, don't go injuring yourself now. We'll be highlighting the best stories and matches of the week in wrestling from AEW, WWE, and have one-on-one -on -one talks with the best talents in the world of pro wrestling. Listen to Wrestling with Freddie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Diosa. And I'm Mala. We are the creators of Locatora Radio, a radiophonic novella, which is a fancy way of saying a, a podcast. podcast. Welcome to Locatora Radio Season 9. Love, Love at first, first listen. listen. We're older, we're wiser, and we're podcasting through a new decade of our lives. This season, we're falling in love with podcasting all over again. And getting to the heart of our stories. We're going places we've never gone before, and we're bringing you along with us. With new segments, correspondence, and a brand new sound. Season 9 is kicking off with an intimate interview with Grammy Award-winning singer-songwriter Natalia Laforcade. What's giving you hope right now? Well, when I see what music does to people, it gives me a lot of hope. If you liked Locatora before, you're going to love Season 9. Subscribe to our show and you'll see why Locatora is your prima's favorite podcast. Listen to Locatora Radio as part of the Michael Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.